and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is to come. Isn't that how Pastor Ron said we should greet each other from now on when he started the book of Revelation? Grace and peace to you. I want to tell you that the next two weeks' texts were not chosen by me, they were assigned to me. And I want to tell those three or four people who came up to me today and said, Pastor Ron said you were going to finish Revelation, but it says Ephesians in there. I am coming back to Revelation next week. You don't leave for three months and then come back and tackle Revelation on your first Sunday back. I don't care if it was assigned to you or not. This morning we spend a little time in the book of Ephesians because in some sense this is a sabbatical recap for me. In some sense it is a state of my soul address. So maybe some vulnerability this morning for me. Um, And then we'll tackle the rest of Revelation next week. Next two weeks. The song we just sang has the chorus that says, Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. You guys like that song? Yeah, it's one of the, it's one of the classics. It's one of the favorites that we ought to sing regularly. My question to you this morning is, have you ever been floored by love? Maybe it was a a friend's kid or a niece or nephew who you didn't expect to, but suddenly they came and they jumped into your arms and they they said, I love you. Maybe it was a a high school or junior high boyfriend or girlfriend that you just didn't expect that to happen to. And it's funny because I see these two over here laughing. I'm going to leave that one alone. Maybe it's somebody that you, uh, you admire, you respect, you look up to because they're a mentor to you. And they, they said, you know, I just love and respect you so much. Floored by love. On my sabbatical these past three months, I was floored by love. God's love. Now if you remember, three months back, three months and a week, I shared a bit and I was leaving for sabbatical tired. Right? Physically, yes, but spiritually, indeed. I alluded to it a few times in the months leading up to that and preached an entire sermon on it right before leaving. I went into sabbatical with a lot of questions. Questions about God. Questions about His goodness. Questions about His role in my life. Questions about His existence. You know, does this whole God-Jesus-Church thing, is it real? There was a depth of unrest within me, which of course I didn't share with too many people because with questions like that, other issues arise, especially for someone like me who has a title of senior pastor who's expected to help lead and guide a church in their faith journey. How could I do that well when my faith journey seemed like it was on the edge of a cliff? I wrestled with if God is not real, then What does the last 33 years of my life of claiming to be a Christian amount to? I mean, who am I really? Because my my identity has been based in Christ. I told you before I left that one of my biggest goals was to fall in love with Jesus again. As an individual Christian, 
Not, not as a pastor or a leader or a shepherd of a group of people. This was a true desire of mine, and I expected that I would be the one taking steps towards that process, that it would be my initiative, my action, my doing. Well, the first couple of weeks, I had the counsel of my spiritual director. He said, don't, don't push. Don't read. Don't, don't try and jump into things right away. Don't try and take those first steps of me falling in love with Jesus again. So I didn't. I took those first two weeks and I pretty much just checked out of all things faith. I was exhausted. You know, like getting to the end of a race when the adrenaline from finishing, from crossing the finish line wears off and all of a sudden you just sit there with this blank stare. If you've never finished a race, I do believe you felt that. Okay? Maybe you've had a long day, you got up really early, you had to go to work, you've been on your feet all day, you haven't been able to stop, and by the time you finally do get to stop, you sit down in your chair, you turn on Jeopardy, you blink, and all of a sudden, Wheel of Fortune's done too. Exhausted. In those first few weeks of sabbatical, it felt good not to have to prepare a sermon. It felt good not to have to have the answers. You know, it took two weeks, but I had finally disconnected from pastoral ministry. And then general conference happened. I was thrown right back into the mix of it. Blessed Tim and Christy for being there. Um, I had wondered when general conference hit if maybe all my doubts and concerns would have fixed themselves. Right? Maybe they would have just subsided. Pastor Michael's back there like, yeah, I've been through that. They hadn't. They hadn't subsided. And I found myself in the evening worship times. You're, you're surrounded by people from every conference, every free Methodist conference. You're surrounded by people from around the world who are worshiping those fantastic different languages, different, I mean, different ethnicities. And I found myself very sarcastically in my own head questioning the people up on the stage. You know, they're raising their hands, they're walking back and forth, and they're supposed to be leading us. And I'm thinking, what a bunch of fakes. And then I would be ushered into the presence of God and all my doubts and concerns would be gone and I would have three and a half decades of trust and, and love for God and it would, and it would just, it would, over, it would overflow in me, it would flood me and, and all that, those two extreme emotions within minutes of each other. I was a mess. The general conference theme, as Tim reported to you when he came back, was love God, love others, and make disciples. Uh, Bishop Matt Thomas talked about make disciples, and I know I'm going to go out of order, so forgive me. But he was talking about making disciples, and he, of course, brought up the Great Commission. When Jesus says, go there, go, go, wait now, it's been a while since I've been in church. Therefore, go and make disciples. You know the Great Commission, Okay. Before Jesus said that, though, listen to the verses that, lead, that led up to that. Matthew 28, 16, and 17. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Bishop Matt wasn't trying to make any sort of point about doubt or questions, yet those five words set me free. But some of them doubted. The disciples worshipped and doubted. And Jesus still said, go, make more disciples. 
Oh my goodness, for me, who had been flogging myself for months for even having questions or doubts, to see these five words in this context, it really did set me free. It was this huge weight of guilt that was being lifted off my shoulders. I could have doubts and questions too and still truly worship Jesus and still have him say, go, make more disciples. It was Bishop Kendall that had spoke on loving God. And at the end of his message, this was the first night, so here I am in the mess of myself. In the end of his message, he allowed for a time of response. And I really didn't expect anything to take place. So I'm just kind of sitting there on my own. And in my own head, in my own voice, I hear this. James, I love you. God. James, I love you. God. Now, of course, I questioned that. Of course, I doubted that. It was my own voice in my own head. I was talking to another pastor later that night about it and just sharing a little bit of what I'd gone through, and he said, no, that's the message you needed to hear tonight. That message was for you. In that moment, I was floored by love. James, I love you. God. It it wasn't me taking steps towards God. It wasn't me who had doubts and questions, finally being a good Christian and returning to love Jesus again. It was a simple declaration from God of God's love for me. Now, I know this is basic. I know it's fundamental. I know it's something I've told countless people before, but apparently it was something I needed to relearn. I needed to be retold. I needed to to re-believe. So it floored me. God loved me. You know, I had expected him to, to quote James 3, wanted me. James, not many should be preachers and teachers in the church because those who do this will be held to a higher standard. I expected him to say, okay, first, James, let's address your questions. Next, let's address your doubts. Then your leadership validity to even get to the point where you have these doubts and questions. And then, after all that, I'll profess my love to you. That didn't happen. There was no prerequisites, no ifs, ands, or buts. It was, James, I love you. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. Floored by love. Now, out of that, in the following weeks, I began reading the Gospels to get another picture of Jesus outside of preparing a sermon, and it was great. And I read through two of them, and I decided, I'm going to see where else to read for a little while. So I know none of you have ever done this, but I kind of went like, there, right? And I landed in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Now, in the first two and a half chapters, Paul wrote about spiritual blessings. He wrote about God's amazing plan for salvation Prayers for spiritual wisdom for the people. Paul wrote about being made alive in Christ and how none of this was our doing. About a oneness and peace with Christ. He wrote about God's mysterious plan for salvation being revealed to the Jews and the Gentiles and how we can now come boldly into God's presence. And then at the end of chapter 3, he wrote what you heard earlier in the service. He says, when I think about all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he would empower you with inner strength. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. 
Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. He says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Floored by love. God's love. God was apparently wanting to make a point to me over sabbatical. We're going to spend the rest of our time in Ephesians 3. So if you haven't turned there, go ahead and turn there with me. Uh, 3 verses 14 to 21. Paul started with, when I think of all this, all the stuff I just mentioned, all the stuff Paul had already written, when I think of all this, I think for me, here, state of the soul for me, what had to be done to remind me of God's unquestionable love was for me to be reminded of who God is and what he did. And then I needed to think about it. Make sense? I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to get into my own little world, to enjoy my own little successes and failures and And whatever else happens outside of my own little world, it's easy to forget because this is about me and my stuff. But I need the when I think about all this. Because when I do, I'm reminded of, like almost every song said, God's love for me. So Paul says, when I think about all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. The Father. When Jesus' disciples said, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray, how did Jesus start? He said, pray like this, our Father, Abba, right? Abba denotes a loving, caring, trustworthy, passionate, devoted, protecting person. This is a great mental picture, and honestly, it's probably most of our favorite mental pictures of God. When I think of all this, I I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. And if you're reading the King James Version, it adds, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. So more than just us sitting in God's lap, this warm, fuzzy, Him holding a hot cocoa and there's a fire roaring in the background, there is more to God than that. The opening sentence speaks of falling to our knees. Submission. Worship. Why? Because of who this is we're praying to. The creator of everything. The seen, the unseen. Heaven and on earth. This is who we talk to when we pray. And when you really begin to grasp that, it floors us. Because God loves us. The creator of everything chooses to love us. And that's just the first couple sentences out of Paul's mouth when he says, when I think of all this. What does he pray for? Verse 16 says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. This is from God. This is not a strength conjured up by us. It's not our move forwards. It's not me trying to fall in love with Jesus again. This was an inner strength from a glorious unlimited supply through God's Spirit. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. When a soul 
is weary. When a soul is questioning, when the chaos of life hits you in the teeth, not once, not twice, but every morning, week after week, in the months after months, you need some sort of strength that doesn't come from you. And this inner strength is found through Christ's Spirit. Not in our own efforts, not in our own resolve, not in our own fortitude. It's an inner strength given in and by and through the Spirit of God who floors you with His love. Now with this inner strength, we are then able to trust God. I mentioned having trust trust issues at the beginning, trust doubting God, right? We're able to trust God in good times and we're able to trust the goodness of God in the hard times. This trust is aided by the presence of Jesus living within us. The first half of verse 17 says this, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. I wondered where that came from. You know, at vacation Bible school or Sunday school or, or when someone knocks on your door when you didn't know Jesus and they tell you about this Jesus and they tell you how much he loves you. Maybe it was your mom or dad or sister or, or, or friend or something, but they told you about Jesus and, and how much he loved you and you realized, yeah, I, I, I understand as much as I can. What do I need to do next? And they says, well, you need to ask Jesus into your heart and trust him. Then Christ will come into your heart He will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. For three and a half decades, I've known that Christ lived in here. But it seemed like for a while last year, he he packed up some bags and took an extended vacation. Did that happen? No. I know that didn't happen, but it sure felt like it. See, I've got some deep roots. I've got some some, uh, generational roots in my family of faith. And I know that, I love that, I value that, but it sure didn't seem in the past year that my roots were growing down very deep. If anything, it looked like my roots were the, were the seeds thrown on the shallow soil. It maybe went a little bit, but then they died. But then there was that still small voice at General Conference that said, James, I love you. God. Verse 17, then... Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Your roots will grow where? Your roots will grow down into what? God's love. There was God making his point to me again. With these roots digging deeply into the soil of God's love, inner strength in and through him, inner strength, it was returning. The soil of your heart dug deeply into God's love. It'll be like the fourth soil that Jesus talked about where the seeds are thrown on it and it takes root and it sprouts and it grows and it produces massive amounts of harvest. And it's all due to the the fact where those roots are rooted. In God's love. In Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 that we're looking at, the Apostle Paul is praying for the people of the church in Ephesus. Listen to what he prays for next, verse 18 and 19. He says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand Fully, 
floored by love. The song says, Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry? Or could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky? Paul says, Lord, may they have the power to understand how wide, long, high, deep your love is. May they experience the love of Christ. Here we go again with when I think about all this. Have you ever tried to fully understand God's love for you? I encourage you, try and sit down one day and think about God's love. Try and grasp it. And then try again the next day. And then try again the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And I can almost guarantee you that it's going to take a lifetime for you to begin to scratch the surface of God's amazing love towards you. It's going to take a lifetime to even begin to catch the beginning glimpses of how God feels towards you. How far, wide, high, low, deep, all that. Frankly, Paul realized that, and I think that's why he followed that up with, God, may they experience the love of Christ. Because it's too great to understand. And when you experience it, you get a hint. But the experience of Christ's love is also not a one-and-done type experience. It's, it's something that, yes, you may have moments. You may have seasons. You may even have years where you find yourself wrapped in God's love. You may think you have experienced God's love in such a way that it can't get any higher or wider or greater or better. But my guess is that due to some sort of life circumstance, life tragedy, life surprise, if your roots are growing down deep into God's love with inner strength through His Spirit, my guess is that one day you will be floored again by God's love. Verse 19 concludes like this. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You know, I I think of the word then. Then you will be made complete. And I think that this happens after we breathe our last breath on this side of eternity. I think the made complete, the complete fullness of life and power from God, though we can grow in it now, I think we will fully grasp on that side how wide, how long, how high, and how deep. You know, I think it behooves us again to have it pointed out where this completeness, where this thenness comes from. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It's not our doing, it's not our steps, it's God's steps. Now, Paul concludes this prayer, pointing right back to where and who has been flooring us and him with his love. Verses 20 and 21. Paul says, Now all glory to God. All glory to God, who was able, through his mighty power at work within us, to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. All glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, it might be easy to take this little benediction. And to take it out of context and start talking about all the things we could and should be doing because 
God's living in us and he's got this mighty power working in us and we should be world changers and, and nobody should ever be the same again when they encounter us. And it'd be easy to take this out of context and, and use it like that, but I don't want to. I think this verse needs to be tied back into exactly what we've been talking about, the love of God. So maybe, since God is able, infinitely more than we might ask or think, okay? Since God is able, even though we are not, maybe we'll be able to understand more of God's love than we think possible. Maybe we'll be able to understand more of God's love than we would dare to ask to understand. And maybe when we start to experience it, others will take notice. I mean, if I'm floored by love, if you're floored by love and it's God's love, don't you think that might be infectious? What do we do with this? What do we do with a passage like this? You know, I've had the, uh, the ability to be sorting through this for the last couple of months. For us, for starters, I think it's simple. I think we need to think. We need to think. Paul says, when I think of all this, we need to take some time, be it here or now, be it uh, sitting on your back deck, walking your favorite path, having a cup of coffee or tea in the morning, maybe just enjoying the phenomenal fall colors, whenever and wherever it may be, we need to take some time to sit and think deeply. The church word for that is meditate. We need to think deeply about God, who he is, what he has done, but we need to think about his love for us. And my guess is, as we are thinking deeply, as we're meditating about God's love, we will be led to prayerful worship. We'll be led to our knees. Thinking. That's the first thing we do with a passage like this. Secondly, I think we need to receive. We need to allow ourselves to receive the love of God. I fought this. When, when God said to me in General Conference, James, I love you. No strings attached, right? I fought that. I'm one of those ones that wants to do something first before having something done to me. I want to give before being given to. This whole unconditional free, it's yours. You don't have to do anything to earn it bit. That's kind of hard for me to accept sometimes. If you're like that, ask God for help. Because we can't do it on our own. God, I need your help receiving your love that's already promised from you. Receive. So we need to think. We need to receive. Thirdly, and finally, I think we need to enjoy. I mean, how's that for a to-do list? Enjoy God's love. We need to sit back and bask in the goodness of God. Where's Marilyn? I know you're here, Marilyn. I met you. Bob and Marilyn. Thank you. Right back here. Marilyn's like, oh, it's his first day back and he's calling me out. Marilyn, your brother Phil would tell a story to me numerous times about a young man who's down there working in nursery, uh, about the time he met his girlfriend, who would later become his wife. He says when, when DJ walked into the room, there was just something different about him. And Phil could tell he was smitten. He was enjoying this newfound love. I think that's what God wants to do for us. You know, and, and that is something that can draw people. 
I think we need to enjoy God's love for us. We need to taste and see that he is good. We don't need to worry about the next to-do list for God. The next rule that we need to follow for God. We don't need to do any of that. We just need to abide in love. Jesus says, remain in my love. We need to enjoy it. I mean, that ought to give us like, that ought to give us pause of like, well, yeah, let's do that. I mean, I come back from three months of sabbatical rested, refreshed, and enjoying God's love. And Lord willing, even with the hardness of ministry that has already happened in this last week and that will continue to happen, Lord willing, I'll remain in God's love. Think, receive, enjoy. Allow yourself to be floored by God's love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning I want to just take the words of the Apostle Paul and pray them over this body. Because God, when I think about your love for us, I fall to my knees and I pray to you. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, Lord, I pray that we as a body, out of your your matchless, unsurpassed love, that we would experience an inner strength from you, through your Spirit. God, I pray that for this body, you would make your home in our hearts as we trust in you. And I pray, Lord, that our roots would grow down deep into your love. Jesus, may we have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide how long, how high, and how deep your love is. God, I want to experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. Jesus, make us complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from you. Floor us with your love over and over and over again. And God, as we think about it, as we receive it, help us to receive it, as we enjoy it, God, may this just be a sweet season in our lives, in the life of this church, in the life of your kingdom. We want to revel. We want to bask in your love for us. Help us to do that in and through the power of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.